Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to the Nope Too Creepy podcast. It's the Thursday before Halloween, so naturally, I had to put together an extra special episode. I usually try to balance the really disturbing stories with some lighter ones, but dear listener, I need to warn you about this one. If you came here with the hopes of a happy ending, turn around and leave now. To commemorate the darkest day of the year, we had to have an episode that reflected that. This month's mega episode will feature three stories of the insane and violent underbelly of the world we live in, and of course, their unspeakable and dastardly deeds. This first story follows an average high schooler living an average life until she catches the attention of a twisted stalker. Written by Reddit user House of Poon Cakes, here is A Stranger Keeps Leaving Me Presents. I'm a loner. I don't have many friends. It's not because I don't want any. I just can't make any. I'm not bullied or anything. No one cares enough about me to bother harassing me. High school is rough enough as it is. Having to go through it alone makes it that much worse. It'd almost be welcome if they did bully me, because then at least I'd know someone noticed me. That's why it was so weird when I started getting mysterious gifts on my doorstep. It started in April, near the end of the semester. It was a beautiful spring day that I was celebrating by staying inside and playing video games. In the middle of a raid, the doorbell rang. At first, I ignored it. My parents weren't home, and I was sure it wasn't for me, so I saw no point in answering it. But then it rang again. And again. Then four taps in rapid succession. Annoyed, I got up to get it, sighing dramatically. My irritation rose when I peeked through the hole in the door, and I saw that no one was there. Still, I opened it. I was immediately confused. There was a tube of toothpaste on the doorstep, with a note underneath. Picking up both, I read the message. Keep that smile beautiful, Jesse. What the hell? I mumbled to myself. Why was someone leaving me a tube of toothpaste at my door? I took a few tentative steps into the yard, looking around to see if someone was hiding nearby, waiting for my reaction. But there was no one. The street was quiet. I wanted to think that it was by mistake, but the note had my name on it. Then I thought... Maybe my dentist sent it to me to remind me to brush my teeth, but that made as little sense as anything else. Shrugging it off, I went back inside and tried not to think about it. And I didn't. 
until the next day when the doorbell rang again. This time I got a little nervous. My parents were out again, this time at church and it was early Sunday. There was no reason for anyone to be at the door. I wanted to ignore it but it kept ringing and ringing only stopping when I went to go see who was there. My anxiety rose when I looked through the peephole, and just like the day before, no one was there. Telling myself to stop being such a baby, I opened the door. This time, there was a pack of dental floss on the doorstep. The note attached to it read, you have pretty teeth, Jesse. This was too damn weird. I marched over to my neighbor's house and knocked on their door. She answered it, smiling tiredly. Hey, Jesse, what's up? I cleared my throat. Uh, hi, Mrs. K. Did, did you see anyone at our house a few minutes ago? She frowned. No, honey, why? Someone left this at my door, I said, presenting the floss in my open palm. Laughing, she said, Oh, the neighborhood kids are always doing silly things like that. I wouldn't worry about it. Thanking her, I scurried back home. She was probably right, but I still wondered, why me? No one ever notices me. Hell, most of them forget I even lived here. It didn't make any sense. I mentioned it to my parents when they got home. To my surprise, they seemed almost relieved. Someone was finally including me. My mom said she was sure whoever did it would tell me about it the next day at school. I hoped she was right. When I arrived at school that Monday, I watched everyone anxiously, waiting for the prankster to reveal themselves. All day I was sneaking around, looking for that one person to be smiling mischievously at me. But no one did. The day was just as uneventful as any other. When I got home from school, my mom was eagerly smiling at me. Sweetie, you got a present today, she exclaimed, handing over a shoebox that was taped closed. I nervously opened it. This time, it was packed full of toothpaste, with a note stuck to the top, reading, Why weren't you smiling today, Jesse? I yelped a little bit dropping the box back on the counter. I ran outside, this time determined to search every inch of the street until I saw the weirdo who was doing this. I froze in my tracks once I reached the driveway. In huge letters, someone had written, SMILE JESSE in chalk. I turned around and flew back inside. Ignoring my mother's concerned questions, I headed straight for my bedroom.
the chalk hadn't been there when I first got home. Someone had been watching me, waiting until I got there to write it. I slept fitfully that night. The next day was a blur. I once again spent the day looking around suspiciously at everyone. But once again, nothing was out of the ordinary. As the day wore on, my dread grew by the minute. There was going to be another weird thing left for me, I just knew it. Imagine my surprise when I got home and nothing had been left for me. I was relieved, thinking this weirdo had finally stopped. After putting my backpack away, I went to the bathroom to shower. I was shocked to see a box sitting in the bathtub. Shaking, I opened it. There was a bottle of shampoo with a note taped to it, reading, I like it when you smell like strawberries, Jesse. Too afraid to shower, I went to my room. This time I didn't mention it to anyone. There was no sense in scaring my parents. I searched my room to make sure no one was in it. Then I didn't leave it for the rest of the night to make sure no one could sneak in. With all the weird stuff happening at home, school should have been a paradise. But it wasn't. I felt certain that my tormentor was one of my peers, acting like nothing was going on while they continued to pull this crap. I pulled my notebook out of my backpack, wanting to review notes to get it off my mind. I froze when I opened it and saw that someone had written, Do you want to play, Jesse? in tiny lettering at the top of the sheet. I frantically thumbed through the pages. Someone had written that same phrase on every single page, in increasingly bigger writing, until it completely covered the last sheet. I quickly slammed it shut and began to go to the nurse's office. Only half lying, I told her I wasn't feeling well and asked to go home. My unusually pale complexion must have convinced her, and she agreed to call my parents. I went to my locker to get my backpack. Opening it, I was startled to see, PLAY JESSE, PLAY, carved into the black mirror on the inside of my locker. After the initial shock, I more or less resigned myself to the fact that this was probably going to keep going until whoever it was simply got bored. When my mom picked me up, I mumbled something about a stomach ache and told her I just wanted to lie down. Once we got home, I trudged up the stairs to my bedroom. I don't know why it surprised me. It shouldn't have. My bed was covered with what looked like a hundred shampoo bottles. Hand shaking, 
I picked up the newest note. Why didn't you use my gift, Jesse? I told you I like it when you smell like strawberries. That one scared me the most. Not only had someone yet again broken into my room, but also had been close enough to me to smell my hair, and I didn't even notice. This time, I didn't want to be alone. I took my blankets downstairs and camped out in front of the TV on the sofa. The stomachache story bought me the next day off of school as well. I was pleasantly surprised when Thursday came and went without any presents. Knowing I couldn't be under the watchful eye of my parents 24-7, I returned to school the next Friday. No notes. No random items put in my locker. After school, nothing was in my room either. Then the weekend passed, with nothing strange happening. I grew cautiously optimistic. After a full week had passed with nothing happening, I began to stop caring about it. As I thought back, I decided my fear was an overreaction. Clearly Mrs. K had been right, and it was just a stupid prank. I laughed at myself for being such a baby. A few weeks went by, and then a month. And that leads me to today. My mom forgot to pick me up from soccer practice, so I had to walk home in the sticky heat. Less than a minute after I got back, the landline rang. I scrambled to the kitchen to get it. Davy's residence, I said. Look behind you, Jesse. A gravelly voice sang out from the other end. Dropping the phone, I slowly turned around. Sitting on the kitchen island was a box with my name on the side. Only this time, the box was covered in blood. I slowly moved towards it to get a better look. Scrawled on the top in big block letters were the words, SOON, JESSE! Screaming, I ran through the house, calling for my parents in between sobs. I stopped dead in my tracks when I reached their room. The sheets were stripped from their bed, and a huge pool of blood was soaking into the mattress. Written on the wall, in red, dripping letters, was one final message. Look in the closet, Jesse. Have you ever driven by a mattress firm store, only to drive by another mattress firm a couple minutes away? Both seemingly empty during the day, and both with their lights on regardless if it's 3pm or 3am. 
listen, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but there is no way it's a sustainable business model. Trying to find the truth behind Mattress Firm is enough to drive people crazy, which we see in full effect in this next story. Written by yours truly, here is a Nope Too Creepy original, simply titled, There Are Too Many Mattress Firms. Monday, January 9th, 2017, 10-12 a.m. Has anyone else noticed that there are way too many mattress firms? I didn't major in business, but I have a working knowledge of supply and demand. Are there really that many people that require a new mattress often enough to justify all these locations? It's not just mattress firm either. It's a whole slew of different mattress stores. They're everywhere. It's insane. Tuesday, January 10th, 2017, 6.49 p.m. I did a little more research. I know this seems like a waste of time. It probably is. I'm just really curious, you know? Anyway, according to Google, there are about 20 mattress stores in and around my town alone. 20 stores that is crazy how are they justifying all of these stores i'll post a picture of the google maps results friday january 13th 2017 2 p.m go to google and type why are there before you even finish typing the last word it will suggest why are there so many mattress stores? And why are there so many mattress firms? You see? People are starting to tell me to shut up, calm down, get a life, etc. Well, there you have it. I'm not the only one who has this question on their mind. I read the articles. All of them give the same vague answer of how it's really profitable. But how? Friday, January 13th, 2017, 5.10 p.m. I was driving down a major road today. In a short span of time, I passed four different matcher shops. Four. There's something going on. And I will get to the bottom of it. The weekend is here. I had some plans, but I'm staying in instead. I will find the answers I'm looking for. If you idiots who take the time to insult me would just spend some time doing your own research, maybe then you'd open your eyes as well. But I doubt it. You're all sheep. Wait. Sheep. That's the mascot for sleep number. Sheep. They want you to be sheep. Don't you understand? The evidence is right in front of us, clear as day. 
Wednesday, January 18th, 2017, 2.54 a.m. All of these arrogant assholes. I can't believe I was friends with so many of them. I had to delete a lot of people after my last post. A lot of these so-called friends chimed in with their unsolicited opinions. Joey, you're crazy. Joey, stop this. Joey, you sound like a madman. <sighs> you blind fools. If you're still reading this, that means you either believe me or you don't care. If you don't care, you will. After some sleepless nights, I think I finally may be onto something. Work called me today, asking where I've been. They expect me to come in and just put a pause on all the progress I've made. I wouldn't be surprised if they were all working together. I bet my searches have been being tracked since day one. I'm such an idiot. I should have been smarter about this. Now they know that I know. Well, if they think they're going to get the jump on me, they've got another thing coming. Saturday, January 21st, 2017, 7.26 p.m. Tonight's the night I put an end to this. Tonight's the night I find the truth. It's either going to be them or me. Thank you to everyone who has been so kind. If you're reading this, I won't forget your loyalty and friendship. Saturday, January 21st, 2017, 9.33 p.m. I broke in as they were closing. Well, rather, I came in and waited in the back. All that was left in the building was the general manager, Claire. When I popped out, she was surprised but actually asked if I needed help with something and that they were closed. Does she think I'm an idiot? I could tell she recognized me. I had a feeling that my posts were being tracked before I set them to private. They must have put the word out to the area about me. The guy that was on to them. Anyway, I saw the panic in her eye, and I was worried she'd run or scream for help. I got her, though. One hard thud in the back of her head with the tire iron I had on me. I have her tied up to one of the mattresses now. I think she's waking up. Sunday, January 22nd, 2017, 12.14 a.m. I have to hand it to Claire. She was tougher than she looked. She kept claiming she knew nothing about any of the questions I asked her. Nothing about any of my theories. No matter how many times I cut her skin, broke her bones or peeled her fingernails, 
She just kept crying and crying, telling me that I was crazy and that there was no mattress firm conspiracy. <sighs> After a while, I started to get offended. I mean, I went through all this. I know she knows that I know, you know? I'm not stupid, Claire. I'm not. Anyway, I had to get rid of her. I can't risk having her let the bosses know how close I got to getting the truth. Sunday, January 22nd, 2017. 8.44am. Friends, this may be my last post for a while. I woke up this morning to my phone full of texts and missed calls. A lot of people sent me links to a particular news article. Apparently, whoever opened the mattress firm this morning found a small bit of blood that I must have missed when I was cleaning. They did some snooping and found the half-assed stitch job in the mattress that it was by. Investigators cut the mattress open and found Claire's leg. I thought it would be smart and a bit poetic to stash pieces inside their precious mattresses. I'm not even mad. I know I'm right. The world will know soon. The best part is they won't find the rest of Claire for a while. I hid her dismembered body in dozens of mattresses. They were in the truck already, scheduled to go out this morning for delivery. So if you live in the area and just bought a new mattress, stay alert for any strange lumps or odd smells you may experience that just may be our old friend Claire. <laughs> Our third and final story follows a detective as he interviews a serial killer in an attempt to better understand how his demented mind works. What he gets instead will change his life forever. Written by Reddit user Horror Mode, here is I interviewed a psychopath. It was my last interview ever. Mr. Woods, I'm Detective Brandon Hill. He simply stared. The occasional flickering of the fluorescent light above us served as a reminder of our department's budget. We had caught him moments ago, lurking around a school by Riverport, for God's sake. You've been arrested for the murder of seven individuals in the Riverport area. I tapped my index finger on my tongue and passed some files across the table that contained images of the victims. Gruesome ones. He looked down and gazed at them, as if reliving them. He looked proud. Tell me. I began, 
scooting my chair closer to the cold steel table between us. Looking at all of this, how do you feel? He remained silent for a moment, a moment that felt like an eternity with him. He smirked. Then, still seated and still smirking, he slowly leaned forward and lowered his head until his chin barely touched the table and his eyes glaring up at me replied feel I gulped louder than I should have yeah how do you feel about what you did what does that mean I realized the ridiculousness of the question. I was talking to someone who had the same emotional reaction murdering people that I do swatting flies. Still, he was playing with me. I don't understand the question, detective. He continued, trying to hide his smile. Keith Woods was one of the most clean-cut people I had ever met. His pitch-black hair slightly sloped across his forehead and almost met with his thick eyebrows. His fingernails were trimmed perfectly, and his face was spotless and filled with youth. He wore a white dress-up shirt and black jeans. I didn't want to begin to imagine where his tie was, what he may have used it for. I continued my questioning. We don't often get young men sitting here, especially one who just graduated with their masters, in an interrogation room, cuffed. I sat back with my arms crossed, awaiting his response. His white buttoned-up shirt almost glowed against the lights in the room. I sat there for a moment and imagined... Not a single stain or speck of dust on it. But in reality, he was colored in his victim's blood. Just thinking of that white shirt plastered in red. Appearance truly is everything. I did not ruin my life, he answered. I can't say the same for... He suddenly burst out in an obnoxious loud laughter, akin to that of a hyena. I was not amused, and neither were the officers watching from the other side of the one-way mirror. I recollected the files I had put before him, going through the images for myself one last time. One in particular challenged my ability to keep my professionalism. A 19-year-old boy, Thomas Goodman, beaten to death. Mr. Woods had an envelope delivered to the boy's parents on Christmas morning. For anyone who dares to question my ability to keep myself in check in the face of evil, remember that one. Could you hold back? I continued my questioning. Mr. Woods, tell me about Jessica Lopez. 
A small grin appeared on his face. He sat back and tapped his shiny loafers against the floor, as if thinking. What about it? What did you do to her? Do you remember? Of course I do, detective. In fact... He opened his mouth and picked at his teeth, the chains of his cuffs rattling. I can still taste her. <laughs> I sat back and waited for him to regain his composure after he spent a good minute laughing like a lunatic. In the 20 years I've been doing this, I've never met a more vile monster. Not in my life. I just wanted to reach over the table right then and grab him by his skinny throat. You never would have guessed him, of all people, would be capable of something like that. And that's what's truly horrifying. He was young, clean, teeth as white as snow, and well-dressed. All complete with a touch of cologne, just to fool you a little further. Keith. Ooh, my first name. How up close and personal of you, detective. His eyes widened, disturbingly so. He was having fun now. This wasn't an interrogation anymore. But could you blame me for failing this interview? How do you even begin to intimidate evil itself? I continued. You leave behind an envelope to the families of the victims. They have a red spot or mark on them. We ran some tests in the lab and learned that these red markings are from the respective victim's blood, correct? He simply nodded, seemingly unimpressed with our discovery. It was like he was waiting for us to catch up with him. Like he was the teacher, and us his disappointing students. That bastard. The door opened behind me. Detective, you've got a phone call. I got up and walked out the door, pausing for a moment to snatch another look at Mr. Woods. He looked right back at me and tilted his head, like a confused dog. Minus the creepy smile. I picked up the phone. I'm at work. What is it, Lori? Brandon, hello? Yes, honey, it's me. What is it? Sorry, I didn't want to bother you. But I found an envelope sitting at the door. And it's got this huge blob of red paint on it. I have no idea. Is it from your work? Also, Michael hasn't come home yet, and his classes ended hours ago. <laughs> I dropped the phone when I heard the most hideous and vile laughter I have ever heard coming from the interrogation room. Thank you for joining me in this episode of the Nope Too Creepy Podcast. 
No matter how you decide to enjoy your Halloween weekend, remember to drink some damn water. And keep an eye out for any weirdos or psychopaths who may or may not be watching you, slowly approaching and waiting to add another trophy to their collection. If you're interested in learning more about any of the authors, links to connect with them can be found in the show notes. Until next time, this is your host, Dan David, wishing you a happy Halloween and reminding you all to stay safe out there. I'll be seeing you in the next episode. Nope.